Find with me in your Bible Romans chapter 1. And we're going to go into a series, several weeks, on the simplicity of the gospel. One of the key things that the Lord was dealing with my heart about while I was in China in March was the issue of the gospel. While I was there, um, multiple times, I said to the guys that were with me, I said, the things they're doing here are so simple, they're absolutely powerful. I mean, just so, the things that the church in China is doing, it's just so simple, it's absolutely brilliant. And I, and I said multiple times, I said, I think we've become so educated, we're stupid. We've just learned so much, we get paralyzed with all the stuff we've learned, and you just sort of don't even know what to do. There's five steps for this and seven keys for that, and you know, you got the base path to fulfillment and the ten, you know, laws of success, and man, after all that, I forgot what the first three were. I don't know any of them, and, uh, and I just think that at times, we can just get so bogged down with uh, all the ten things that we're supposed to do, we can lose sight of just simple truth in the Word. And, uh, and so I, I was impressed, very impressed with the Chinese church because many of the truths that, that the believers that I saw hold dear were things that I uh, agree with for sure. I mean, things that I'd heard of or studied or you know, sort of knew with my mind. I want to say this, I, uh, when I'm talking about the believers in China, of course, you understand, I didn't meet 150 million believers in China. I met uh, several underground uh, churches and, and underground schools and, and you know, had, a, had an introduction to maybe you know, 75 or 100 believers. That I, When I say the believers in China, I'm talking about the group that I saw that I think is representative of a much larger group. And I know the numbers are there, but I'm just saying what the character I saw in them, somebody questioned me recently and said, you're talking about, you know, all the believers in China, and, uh, you, you know, you're making these broad statements about all the believers in China. So let me go ahead and just, you know, grant, no, I didn't meet 150 million of them. I met, you know, maybe 100, you know, something like that. And, uh, and that's where I'm drawing my conclusions from, those believers and the leaders that I talked to. So uh, the thing that I was impressed about was, the, the values that they held were many of the things that I totally agree with. I, I mean, really, nothing was just, wow, that is so new. And I think in the West, oftentimes, we hear so much teaching, and we have so much, uh, such a proliferation of Bible messages in every kind of format. We're looking for the new thing, you know. And, uh, and what I think we probably need is the old thing, <laughs> We just need the old thing alive in our hearts, and I think it would be really good. Well, these believers, they, what impressed me was they had these truths that were values to them, and they were uh, at, the, at the core, the truest sense of values, because they were values that they actually lived. They actually lived out what they believed. And uh, we know that faith without works is dead. I mean, we, we've, we're so educated in these ideas that, you know, you can say you believe a thing, but if you actually don't live it, then you don't really believe it. Like, we get that point. But I'll tell you this much. When I saw believers 
who were living a very simple faith, who were walking out simple truths that I've believed for years, and they were actually employing those truths as normative, as normal Christian living in their life, I was, I was convicted, I was excited, I was uh, challenged, and I saw the power of what it is to just live a simple faith, to truly live a simple faith. Now, I'm not saying that Chinese believers are simple theologically. There's much Bible training going on. They would say, we need more Bible training. And, and I appreciate that. But the truth of the matter is, <laughs> they're doing real good with the, the Bible training they've gotten. What I mean is, they're actually living a great percentage of what they've learned. And that, beloved, is far better than having a hundred Bible lessons and living out one of them. If you had 20 Bible lessons and you lived all 20 of them, that would be very powerful. And so my own heart, I was uh, very convicted uh, about the things that I, I know with my head, but that I, I, uh, I, I don't do. And so it's been a continual prayer of mine for a long time to live an authentic faith. To, to be congruent that the things that I say that I believe and that I proclaim to actually live those things out. And so I just say this, that one of the big things the Lord did for me was in China, uh, just putting his finger on that issue. There's much that you believe, son, even the simple things you believe, are you living them out day to day? And so that was, uh, that really, really moved my heart. And, and here's what happened the Lord really identified this area of the simple gospel. The simple gospel. The understanding of the gospel and the preaching of the gospel. And, and he just really just put his finger on that issue in me. And two different days, I woke up. I won't say the Lord woke me up because I was on jet lag. <laughs> so 2 a.m. felt like 2 in the afternoon. And so I'd wake up, pling middle of the night there, but on two different occasions, I woke up, but I woke up to a Bible study going on in my head. I don't know if you've ever had that, where the scriptures just are flying at you. It's like the preacher is inside, and he's preaching to you. Well, that's what happened to me two different times, and the the key issue was the gospel. The key issue was the gospel. So I'm going to take um, some familiar scriptures and we're going to take a few weeks. We're going to dive into this. We're going to take a look at what the Bible says about the gospel. We're going to answer a bunch of questions about the gospel. And, and hopefully this will uh, put a strand into our DNA here in the house of prayer that's been a little bit weak. It's been a little bit, um, you know, just a little bit not developed. And uh, I know in my own heart something is coming alive that's been there uh, for years and years and years, but has been sort of dormant for a season. And so let's take a look at a few familiar verses. I just want to read them to you. There's power on the Word of God. Amen. And let's just let these verses just sort of, let's approach them freshly and allow them to seep into our heart. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul the Apostle speaking, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
And this is the phrase that's getting me. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. I'll make a comment and we'll touch it later in the series, but I feel like in the West, we have, uh, we have so many tools to share the gospel. We have videos and dramas and music and, I mean, TV and, and radio and, and just so many, you know, an innumerable list of tools to share the gospel that we can almost get confused that we can almost get confused into believing that the tool that we used is the power of God unto salvation. The tool is not the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. If you want people to come to know the Lord Jesus, if you want them to be converted, if you want them to, you know, uh, come under the lordship of Jesus, change their eternal destiny, no longer be going to hell, but going to heaven, there is one powerful mechanism that the Lord has given us. I'm calling it a smart bomb. It's the gospel. The presentation of the gospel to the unsaved has uh, invested in it glorious, dunamis power that converts souls. The tool, beloved, is not the issue. The tool is not the issue. We've even come to find out that the vessel is not the issue. Because so often you have, you know, the, uh, a minister preaching the gospel. Hundreds are getting saved. We come to find out, woo, that vessel needed a little cleaning. Praise God. That wasn't the vessel I thought it was. You know why that works? Why does that work? Why can you have a minister who's, you know, in left field, but he's actually preaching the gospel and people are actually getting changed? Because the power is on the gospel. The power is on the gospel. It's on the gospel. You know what I realized? I forgot that. I forgot that the power is on the gospel. And at a certain level, I would say that I went in a little unbelief. Because started, you know, you kind of can start thinking, well, there's been so much gospel going on and people aren't getting saved, da 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 but I'll tell you what, it's just, like, it's just like the word for healing. By his stripes, you were healed. There's the word for healing. Well, guess what we've got to actually do? Attach our faith to that word for healing. Isn't that right? Didn't Jesus bear stripes on his back to purchase healing? Didn't he do that? Well, we've got to believe that, right? For that to actually be effectual in our lives, we've actually got to believe that what he did actually works for healing. Isn't that right? Well, guess what? If I go and I start preaching the gospel, but I don't even think it's going to work, <laughs> I'm short-circuiting the very power that's on the gospel. Just like there's power on the Word of God and on the prayer of faith for healing, but if I don't believe it, it's not going to be effectual now, is it? 
If I'm sharing the gospel, but I don't think that the gospel is going to penetrate and pierce souls and convict hearts, my faith can actually work against the very power that's on the gospel. But if I will actually believe that the simple gospel has power to convert the nastiest sinner, come on. Man, I'm telling you what, it's a smart bomb. And I am excited because I, I want to be like, what are those guys that blow things up all the time? Those guys that work and they, they work with dynamite. What's it called? A demolition. <laughs> Whatever those guys are, they you know, put bombs and blow things. I want to be that guy because I just want to put bombs on everybody. Just put gospel bombs that's full of power. It's dunamis. That word is Greek word dunamis means dynamite. <laughs> Have a nice day. Boom! Who knows when the fuse is going to be lit? The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Man, I, I forgot that. I forgot that. And I watched these Chinese believers fully believing that, sharing their, going to share their faith with, with people that don't know the Lord and just knowing that this thing is going to convert souls. Let's read another verse. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, you ever heard this verse before? Verse 18. I was so convicted about how trite this verse has become to us, come to me. I won't, I won't put any of you guys in there. I'll just, I'll just step out on limbs. It's all me. Y'all are all on fire for the gospel. It's me that needed the, t- the tweak. Amen. 2818, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? Verse 20, teaching them. That's how you make disciples. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And then this phrase, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. What a powerful truth. You engage in the gospel and in making disciples. Where's Jesus? Where is he? With you. With you. With you. Man. That's awesome. I want the Lord with me in a big way. He goes, if you'll engage in this, I'm with you in it. Always. I love that. Look at Mark 16. Here they are. Gospel scriptures. Our clear calling and commission from the Lord. We call it the Great Commission, called to share the gospel with everybody and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, look at verse 15. Here it is. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Look at verse 17. And these 
signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Verse 19, so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. Look at this phrase, the Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. Man, I don't know about you. I want the Lord working with me. I want, I don't, I'm not trying to go out there on my own and do something by myself. I don't have, I mean, I'm not strong enough, cool enough, whatever, to get all revved up and go try to, like, make something happen. But the Lord promised he would be with us and 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 making disciples and sharing the gospel and making disciples. And here the demonstration of signs, wonders, and miracles accompanied the, the preaching of the gospel, the Lord working with them. Oh, I love this. And this is a simple truth that I'm sure you've heard before. But have you noticed when it says, he who believes, uh, uh, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name, and they'll do all these things. Have you noticed that appears to be attached to the previous verses? Go and preach the gospel to everyone. Beloved, we can have faith for signs and wonders and miracles when we're talking to a lost person. Because Jesus promised that he would work with us in the gospel and that if we would preach the gospel in his name, he would confirm the word with signs following. And that's why it says what it says in verse 20. The Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. I think a lot of times we think, man, I need more power so I can be a witness for Jesus. But I want to propose that he has actually put in place what is necessary for us to be witnesses if we'll believe. If we'll believe it. This stuff is ours if we'll believe it. And you want to get real, you know, engaged with it, get real crazy with it? Go tell somebody who doesn't know about Jesus and then try it out. (laughs) You know? Hey, I know, you know, I want to share the gospel with you, but hey, after I share this, you know, then you talk to him and you go, so anything I can pray for you about? And man, you can put it on him. Well, that's the context that he talked about. Now, we'll talk about that more in detail in, in a, date, a later day. But I'm, I mean, I wake up uh, two different times to a Bible study and the Lord's walking me through these verses, walking me through the familiar scriptures on the gospel. And it's, it was like, you know, light just came on me. And it was so clear that I, there were, there were uh, issues of the gospel that I haven't engaged with uh, the, way that, the way that I know I should. And, uh, and so I felt like the Lord was very gently encouraging me and correcting me at the same time. 
Now, I'll just tell you what I felt like the Lord said to my heart. He said, in talking about the house of prayer, he said, you're stagnant and you don't realize it. You're stagnant and you don't realize it. Because anything that only has a source in but no source out, it's going to stagnate. And that flow of the gospel out is critical to the life flow flowing through. And the Lord just kindly said it to my heart. He wasn't mad. He was, I didn't have any of that, you know, oh, my goodness. It wasn't even a fear of the Lord kind of a correction. It was just a, a kind thing. He's like, this is where it's at, son. Now, I'm just going to talk about me personally now. Here's what I realized about my own life. Because I've been preaching, I preach, you know, like I've said, on an average, three to four messages a week for like 20 years now. And, and uh, I would say early on in, in early days of ministry, uh, it was just normal for me to continuously share my faith with others, uh, just as a youth pastor, always engaging young people and talking to young people about, about the Lord and just whoever. And... Uh, and somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, in my mind, I just made the step where I thought, well, if I'm preaching that much from the pulpit, I don't need to be doing personal preaching because I'm already sharing the gospel in one way or another multiple times a week. And uh, I want to just say, I think that's wrong. I don't think that's right. I think that the gospel presentation in a public scenario is the bonus to the, what the, the gospel instructions, uh, the, the scriptures that give us instructions on sharing the gospel are about. I think the public proclamation of the gospel is the bonus, but I think the actual way that the gospel has always been to be shared was to be one-on-one or two-on-two. Individual declarations, talking to people face-to-face about the gospel. And, And so I realized in my own life, man, I relegated sharing the gospel. I thought, well, I preach all that, you know, I'm preaching all the time. And, and in a certain sense, you know, the, that whole presentation of every kind of message, I mean, that is the gospel of the kingdom. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, most people that come to church, well, guess what? They're believers, aren't they? I mean, the atheists don't have, you know, a real desire to come to church on Sunday morning. Well, and you ever notice Sunday follows Saturday night? A lot of believers, unbelievers, they don't get out of bed on Sunday morning because they've been out doing, you know, whatever we all used to do on Saturday nights. So... To think that we're only going to share the gospel in church, that's just, that's just not how it's going to go. That just can't be the way this thing is supposed to work. Well, and the, the challenge is, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, church has become only an evangelistic environment in, in certain sense. It's almost like Sunday morning church has been an evangelistic meeting. In our environment, it's been a teaching meeting. But I don't think our Sunday gatherings can substitute the simple presentation of the gospel to the lost. One-on-one people sharing with people about the glory and the beauty of salvation in Jesus. 
And so I've just had to come to grips with it. And I've had a few months to sort of work on this. And I've had, the last couple months, I've had a ball sharing the gospel with people I'm coming in contact with. And, uh, you know, sharing the gospel is like anything else. You know, you, uh, that one-on-one hurdle, you know, immediately there's that initial thing of, oh, my goodness, what are they going to think? You know, and how am I going to start a conversation? And, oh, my. But I'll tell you, it's, it's kind of like once you start working that muscle, it's just the easiest thing to do. And uh, there's an, I mean, I've got a bomb in my pocket. <laughs> and I want this guy, I want to blow this guy up with good things. And so I'm just sitting there looking at him going, I cannot wait to put this smart bomb on you. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I feel good about it. And there is, uh, I think it's Spurgeon that said, there is a pleasure that comes in God through sharing the gospel and through seeing another soul born again that you can't get in God in any other way. There's, it's, like a, it's like in marriage. There's a pleasure that comes through having children that you can't get, you know, just with your husband uh, or your wife. There's just, it's just, it's like that in the gospel. And so uh, there's been a, a shift in my own heart. It's taken me a few months to work it out. I've had to work over again, just getting back engaged and sharing the gospel individually, just sort of work over some of those initial hurdles of, of just fear and just what are they going to think and I'm going to be a freak and just all this stuff. And, but man, it is, it's moving now in my heart again, and I am telling you, there is life on it, beloved. There is life. And I don't feel, um, I don't feel like under pressure about it. Because the Lord really shared some really life-giving things with my heart that I want to share with you about the gospel and, and sharing the gospel. I don't feel under pressure. I don't feel condemned. I'm not worried about if everybody's blood is going to be on my hands. Come on. You ever been to that mess? You ever sat through that message? If you don't preach the gospel, they're going to hell. And if they go to hell, their blood's going to be on your hands. And you're just like, huh? I mean, you're scared into sharing it. And I think we need to have a good, healthy understanding of the fear of the Lord. A good, healthy understanding of hell. I mean, a legitimate understanding that people that do not know the Lord Jesus as their Lord and their Savior will spend eternity in torment in hell. I think we have to have that. And at the same time, though, I don't think that needs to be our number one compelling motive. In fact, biblically, I don't even think that's the, the number one compelling thing to share the gospel. And we'll talk about that, what, what compels us. But... uh I would just throw this out to you. We're all friends here, right? If I, as a preacher, studying and preaching all the time, have substituted my personal sharing of my faith with my pulpit ministry, could it be that many of us, especially in the church in the West, many of us here in this house, have substituted the personal responsibility we have in the Lord to share the gospel with the lost with our Sunday service. And just imagine that anybody that's going to hear the gospel, they'll come in somehow and they'll hear it. And Could it be that we've all sort of relegated it to this one meeting and, and just sort of said, well, there, that's where it's happening. 
My desire is that over these next, this next month, we would receive enough truth in our heart that would get us to the place where we say, you know what, no longer am I going to act like the, the, the key chief way that people are going to hear the gospel is by showing up somehow at church at IHOP or the prayer room or something. I, that's going to happen. We're having lost people being drawn here randomly. Uh, 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 Andrew Folletti shared, has shared the gospel with two Muslims who found their way into our, uh, on two different occasions, found their way into our cafe, cafe just showed up. I mean, the magnet of the Lord is, is going to draw people. I mean, Muslims, okay, like coming to a Christian church, okay. I mean, the, the magnet of the Lord is going to do that. But that's all bonus, beloved. That's all bonus. My heart is that we would all, myself, my family, you, your family, that we would all engage in the gospel individually and personally. Engaging with the Lord Jesus and his desire for nations. Not just them over there, but us over here. And that we would, we would have that in our heart, that we want to be with Jesus in the gospel proclamation to the lost. I really desire that that strand of DNA would come alive in the house of prayer. And so uh, I want you to think about this. Um, in China, 30,000 people a day are getting born again. You know how many people are going to get saved in China today? 30,000. You know how many are going to get saved tomorrow in China? 30,000. Well, just the group of new believers between yesterday and today would fill all of the Georgia Dome. Just the new believers. You know how many are going to get saved in China this month? One million. A million. And you can hear those numbers and you go, oh man, if we could just have revival like what they've got in China. If God would just visit us here, like how he's visiting them in China, then we would have 30,000 a day and a million a month, and man, it would, it would be awesome. Well, let me help you. In China, they don't have one Billy Graham or one Benny Hinn or anybody in between. They don't have any mass evangelism efforts no mega-sized outreaches, nothing. The viral expansion of the gospel in China has to be underground. It cannot be public. It has to be underground because it's illegal. And therefore, they have laws in China against uh, gatherings, more than 70 people, and you can be arrested. So even the, the greatest leaders that they have, they only ever meet with, you know, 50 to 100 people at a time. They don't meet in massive gatherings. Those leaders that have a million people uh, in their church networks, they'll only meet with 100, maybe, you know, in a, in, a, in a risky situation, several hundred. But most of the time, it's 30, 50, 70. Do you know how the gospel is spreading in China? Not through mass evangelism or mass revival meetings. It's spreading virally through the body. 
Believers engaging with the gospel, sharing the power of God unto salvation with the lost, and this thing is blowing up. It's going like a uh, it's going like an Amway convention on steroids. It's going everywhere. It's exploding. Why? How? How could that be? We need revival like that because. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And when believers share the simple gospel, God moves in power to bring conviction and conversion. It's that simple. Now let's just do the math for a minute. Because you still go, oh, but a million believers, like that's just, man, a million believers. Like really, like that's, there's got to be like a wave of revival, like spontaneous conversions. And, and there are those pockets. There are times when God moves in explosive ways in certain areas, and they'll see in, in one sort of area, you know, 10 or 20,000 saved just in a very short period of time. And, but, I, you know, I like statistics. I like math. Uh, I like to figure out how things work. So I just kind of broke this down. Now think about this. If you have 150 million believers... 150 million believers, okay? If they all share the gospel with one person a month, okay? Let's just imagine 150 million all sharing the gospel with 150 million. For a million to get saved, that means only one out of 150 are getting born again. That means... Out of 150 million people all sharing with just one person, one out of 150 are actually leading somebody to the Lord. Now that almost, that doesn't sound like revival at all, does it? That sounds like one out of 150. I mean, we got a few people saved last week. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, well, let's just say half of them are actually sharing their faith with one person a month. 75 million people share the gospel with 75 million. A million are getting saved in a month. That means one out of 75 people are actually leading somebody to the Lord in a month. That's not that incredible, is it? That's, I mean, if, if everybody in here was sharing the gospel with, you know, a person this month, I would think we'd end up with two, three salvations at least. Well, it, maybe it's a third of the people are actually sharing the gospel. So maybe it's 50 million believers actually share the gospel with one person a month. One out of 50 are actually getting saved. That's how you get your million. Do you understand the way that the gospel is happening, the way that the expansion of the gospel is happening in China is because the whole body of believers, they're engaging. It's not happening through mass evangelism efforts. It's happening one here and three there and 15 over here and two there. And that's how the expansion is happening. Beloved, if we decided as a community that we would all share our faith regularly, just sharing the gospel regularly, just sharing the simple proclamation of the gospel, and I'm going to go through that. I'm going to go, now what does that even entail? Like, what does sharing the gospel even mean? Like, what counts and what doesn't, so to speak? But if we all engage in just sharing the gospel regularly, the gospel would be going forth. I figure we have about 500 people in our community. Now think about this. If all 500 said, I'm going to share the gospel with two people a month, two people a month, 
That would be 1,000 people a month hearing the gospel. 12,000 people in a year would hear a face-to-face gospel presentation. Beloved, that could be explosive. That could be incredible. All right, so this is how the church is expanding in China. It's not through these mass efforts. It's through the individual efforts. Now, I want to say this. I believe, biblically, and I'm going to give you some verses, that the spread of the gospel was always meant to take place through individuals engaging with it, and any of these large efforts are bonuses. And I would say, in some cases, the large efforts are counterproductive. Now, the reason why I would say the large efforts can be counterproductive is this. Evangelistic organizations will tell you when they have a crusade that the retention rate is between 2 and 6%. Follow this. A hundred people come to the altar and two to six of them actually stay with their faith. 94% of them, that's the, you know, that's the highest number. Some would say even, even uh, 16%. So let's just use that number, but I think the two to six is probably the right Let's say 16%. So out of 100 that come, 16 stay saved. 84 of them, you can't find them a year later. This is through mass evangelism. You can't find 84 of them. But if you ask that guy, 80, that one of those 84, especially in the southeast, hey, man, are you saved? Oh, yeah. I took care of that last year. You're going to heaven. Yep. Do you know Jesus? Absolutely. I got born again. So you love the Lord Jesus. You're serving him with all your heart. The answers are all going to be the right answers. But what we've done is we've created this sort of mass marketing thing. We throw out these huge numbers. And the truth of the matter is the largest percent, I mean the exponentially largest percent of that group that comes to the altar They are going to leave, and they are not going to be living for the Lord Jesus. They're just going to say they are, and they're going to be doing whatever, having been assured that they came and got saved. There's something different that happens when you talk to somebody one-on-one. You look them in the eye. You you, you can talk to them. You you, you can share your heart with them. There's there's more of an engagement. And then it's simple. Jesus said, teach them to obey all that I've uh, all that I've commanded you. Teach them. Somebody gets saved, guess what? You know, you, you know the discipleship program for the church? You lead them to the Lord, teach them about Jesus. <laughs> That's supposed to be the discipleship program. Lead somebody to the Lord, teach them about Jesus. That's it. I know that sounds overly simple, but that's how this thing is supposed to work, beloved. All right, let's look at this. Luke 9. Are you guys still with me? Come on. The other day, my wife and I, we were in a restaurant, and uh, this little girl that was our waitress, she was tattooed from her head to her toes. You could see a little skin, but mostly tattoos going on. And I, I was just sitting there looking at this girl going, Lord, she is harvest to you. Because when the Lord sees a lost person, he doesn't go, nasty, sinner, tattooed, head to toe. She's probably doing who knows what 
when people aren't watching. You're not thinking like that. He's not going, ooh, ooh, tattoos, ooh. He's looking at her going, harvest. I love it. Yeah. And I go, Lord, you love this girl. What do you think about her? And the Lord just put in my heart, I've gifted her with media, especially in the area of film. I went, amen. And I was just looking at her, and I felt like the Lord said, and she's got a sharp intellect. I've gifted her with a very sharp intellect. So she came to our table, and, and I said, you know, you're a really good waitress. She said, well, thank you. I go, no, you're really good. She goes, thanks. I go, but that's not the best thing about you. She goes, really? I go, really? You know what the best thing about you is? I go, well, this actually isn't the best thing because there's a really best thing about you. I said, but the best, one of the best gifts you have is you have, you have an unusually sharp intellect. Your mind is so crisp and clear. So God's given you an incredibly sharp mind. She goes, well, wow, thank you. I go, but the coolest thing about you, the way the Lord's made you, is you're gifted with film, and you're gifted with media, and something about film, you really have a gift with that. I don't know if you do editing or what you do. And this girl's face lights up. She goes, well, I, I've been in uh, drama stuff. She's a young girl. She goes, I've been in drama all the way up. It's a special kind of a drama thing, special club for gifted students, whatever. And she's been doing this traveling drama deal her you know, for, for years and years and years. She goes, I've been out of it for a, year, a few years. She goes, but the weirdest thing is my, the mentor, the lady that had been uh, our traveling, you know, sponsor who'd been coaching us and everything, she said, uh, she's always told me my real gift is in film. It's not in stage acting. It's actually in film. I looked at her, I go, yeah, that's what the, I think that's right. That's what the Lord's saying. And she's looking at me. I go, do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you know the gospel? She goes, well, I am a Christian. I go, well, let me share this gospel with you. Let me make sure this is what you know. And I share it with her in two minutes. I go, is that what you believe? She goes, I do. I do believe that. She goes, I struggle up and down. I go, Lord wants you to know he loves you and he's interested in you. And she's just looking at me and she goes, I've been a waitress for five years. This is the most interesting conversation I've had in five years. Tattoos from here to there. Most in the church would look at her and go, ew, she's kind of, ew. Jesus doesn't think like that. He goes, she's so beautiful. She's harvest to me. She's my inheritance. I've been dreaming about her. Beloved, this thing can get fun. This thing can get real fun. We pray night and day. Think about this for a minute with a night and day engine of prayer behind us, and you're going to take the step of faith and you're going to gospel and share the smart bomb with people, the Lord is going to start blowing stuff up. I am so excited. Let's look at these verses. It was always meant to be uh, shared through individual declarations. Luke 9, verse 1. First time Jesus sends them out. First time. Then he called his 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. Verse 2, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 6, so they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. I want to draw your attention to those two phrases, preaching the kingdom of God and preaching the gospel. They're the same thing. 
Preaching the kingdom and preaching the gospel is the same thing. He sent them out to preach the kingdom. They went out and preached the gospel. Same thing. Now, here's how we tend to do it. What we'll tend to do is we'll look at Jesus sharing the gospel with the masses. And then we'll see the disciples, and they're sharing the gospel. And, 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 and you know, we look at the, the book of Acts and the day of Pentecost, and there's large numbers. And we think, well, that's the mode. Beloved, that was how it had to start because only one guy had it to begin with, Jesus. And then only 120 had the Holy Spirit. It had to be one person with lots of people. But you're going to watch this. Now, when he first sent them out, they went out two by two, individually sharing the gospel. Look at uh, one page over, Luke 10. It had to start with one proclaiming to masses, but the way the gospel ends up going is everybody sharing it with a multiplied mass of believers. Luke 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70. He's got the 12, they go out, two by two. Now he's got 70. And they all held mass evangelism crusades, withdrawing masses to hear the one guy preach. Is that what it says? After these things, the Lord appointed, you're like, does it say that? Dang, my Bible doesn't say that. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face, into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And they went out sharing the gospel. Now look over at Acts chapter 1. So this is the way Jesus trained up the disciples, the 12 and the 70. Well, In Acts uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, 120 end up in the upper room. Isn't that right? So this Acts 1.8, the declaration of the Holy Spirit uh, being poured out, was directed towards 120. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That was for the original 120, and then for everyone who will believe. The Holy Spirit comes on them and makes you a witness, which is one that's given for the gospel, a martyr, if you will, who will share the gospel with your life. Now look at Acts 2, verse 47. Outpouring, day of Pentecost, the believers have all things in in common, and they're in unity, and believers were added. Added. Everybody say added. They were added daily to the church. As many as were saved. Flip over a few pages, Acts 6. Acts 6. Maybe I should get over there. Verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was multiplying. They go from addition to multiplication. Do you know how it goes from addition to multiplication? Because the number of people sharing the gospel goes from a, a, a few And multiplies into a mass number. And that's how the number of disciples began to multiply in mass. It wasn't through mass evangelism efforts. It was through everybody sharing their faith. Look at Acts chapter 8. Stephen gets martyred. He gets put to death. And Saul is stirring up a persecution. And there's Saul. And he's about to really wreak havoc on the church. He's going to get letters and be able to imprison and, and, and... 
and put in, in, in jail and persecute anybody that's a, a part of the Christian faith. That little, that little uh, addition of persecution, you think it thwarts the gospel or do you think it enhances it? It enhances it. Because now the stakes are higher. Now the commitment runs deeper. Now it's no more, ah, if I show up, who cares? If I don't show up, who cares? If I do, who cares? No, this is your life. Life or death, you're going to serve him. When persecution is added, the heat gets turned up, the purification gets turned up. Saul, he's going to arrest anybody that's serving Jesus. Now Saul was consenting to to Stephen's death. At At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And look at this. Under great persecution, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now look at verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. What were they doing? Come on. Everybody. Preaching the word. Now the thing, I mean, the cat is completely out of the bag. Because the gospel is no longer in the hands of just Jesus or in the hands of a few trained apostles. Now the gospel has been multiplied to a large mass of believers. And then the devil always overplays his hand. The devil's going to stop it and bring persecution. Lord goes, I love this idea, devil. You're going to persecute them so they have to get scattered. You have no idea how deeply this is in their heart. Scatter them. Let's watch. The devil overplays his own hand, brings persecution, scatters the believers, and like seeds in the wind, the gospel begins to explode. Why? Because everywhere they go, they go preaching the word. And man, it's from there that it goes to Antioch and explodes in Antioch. And from Antioch, it's this hub. It's like a, it's like a seed factory blowing the gospel all over Central Asia, all over Asia Minor. They end up turning the world upside down. We like to look at the stories of the one, of the big guy who did all that. But beloved, I tell you, you are lethal in, to the kingdom of darkness because you have the gospel in your hand. And the simple sharing of your faith, oh, it's so powerful in God and so detrimental to the enemy. Why do you think There is such fear and intimidation on sharing the gospel. Because the devil knows if he gets a whole group of born-again, spirit-filled believers who take it seriously to actually share the gospel with everybody, he's toast. Because why? The gospel is the power of God. He cannot stop the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The last thing he wants, the last thing the enemy wants is a bunch of believers sharing the truth that God loves humanity. That God loves humanity so much that he became one of us. Though humanity rebelled against God, God loved us so much he became one of us. Why? To pay for our sin, to take our punishment upon himself. He wants relationship, so he made the payment himself by his own death, and he didn't stay dead. He was raised from the dead. 
So we can be forgiven of sin, cleansed from sin, and empowered and have a brand new life and have our relationship with God restored. We don't have to go to hell paying for our own sin. Jesus has paid it all. This is the message of reconciliation. This is the gospel. That simple gospel, beloved. Mankind is looking for a way out of the, of the punishment of sin. They're looking for a way out of the burden. They're looking for a way to soothe the conscience. They're looking for a way to get the load off, to take the edge off. They know inside God gave them a conscience. When they sin, the conscience is pricked. They know inside. They may not act like it to everybody on the outside, but I tell you, when they're alone, when they're quiet, when they're thinking, when they're contemplative, when it's them alone with their conscience and God, they know. Romans 1 says he's written it on their hearts. They're looking for the way out. So they do all sorts of religious rituals. They do all sorts of crazy things in sin. They stay drunk. They stay busy. They stay high. They stay, you know, given to, to all sorts of weird relationships. Why? They're trying to busy themselves so they don't have to deal with the truth of the burden of sin that's destroying their hearts. They're all looking for it. And they're mangling their lives, trying to get out of the, the payment and the punishment and the pain of sin on their soul. They want what you got. I promise you they want it. Oh, they want it. All right. Last thought. Last thought. I don't want anyone walking around condemned feeling like, well, I haven't been sharing the gospel with anybody, and I'm just, man, I'm just so bad. <sighs> and just wilting under condemnation. That's not the point. That's not the way God's looking at it. God's looking at it like this. I've set in your midst the gift of night and day prayer. I've put a turbocharged engine, a furnace of prayer to supercharge the, the expression of the gospel. Now, I want to pluck that string of the gospel in your DNA, cause that thing to come alive, and we are about to get nuclear. That's the way God's thinking. Okay? So if you're feeling condemnation, let's get off of that. We're not doing the condemnation thing. What we're going to do is, why do we share the gospel? What's our motivation? What? What enables my heart to feel alive in this thing? I, I want to feel alive. I don't want to feel like, man, they're all going to hell if I don't share their blood in my hands. Ah! I don't want to do that. I want to do, man, I love you, Lord. I love you. Yeah, this is good. I, I want that. I want that this is fun. I want the, man, there's a sinner dude and he doesn't know what's coming. Boom! Yeah, I want that. Surprise! Gospel bomb. I want that flow. I want the sitting in the restaurant. Lord, what do you think? Boom! Secrets of somebody's heart so you can share the gospel. That's fun stuff. That's, that's, a, that's a ball. It's exciting. You get your adrenaline rush, all spiritual high, all at the same time. You know, you're overcoming fears. You're like, yeah! And God's doing stuff. It's just exciting. So what's our motivation? It's the same as everything else. 
our motivation for sharing the gospel. It's the same, it's the same as, as everything else. Why are you motivated to, to live holy? Why, why are you motivated to pray? Why, why are you motivated to, to be kind, to serve, to, to give? Why? Why? Love. In fact, the verse that I always quote, the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ constrains us. 2 Corinthians 5.14. That verse, if you read that whole section, and I want you to go back and read it. Read that whole section. Do you know what that verse is about? The ministry of reconciliation. It's about sharing the gospel with the lost. That's the point of that verse. You share the gospel with the lost because you're compelled by love. And listen, not, it's not even firstly love for that person because you and I, you know, you meet somebody, you don't know them, you're, and they, you know, maybe they're funky and you're looking at them like, woo. It's hard to just be like, I love you. I mean, you just don't know them. It's hard to just jump right into love. But I tell you where, where this thing connects. You're compelled by the love of Christ for you and the way he feels for the lost. And this is how, it, this is how you work it out here. God loves me. God wants me. God desires me. He's after me. Oh, it's the most moving thing of my life that God, the uncreated God, actually wants this. He actually wants Billy. He loves Billy. He wants to spend time with me. He cherishes me. Oh, my goodness. Click. He feels that way about them. Oh, my goodness. Hell-raising sinner, rebellious, hates God. You know what I mean? Meth addict, you know, addicted to porn. Who knows how nasty the sin is? God loves them. The ferocious desires of God for the lost compels our heart because we love Him and He wants them. So we want him to have them. Oh, that's easy. That's so easy. That's not all, oh, the blood's on your hands. It's your fault. It's he loves them. Just like he loves you. He loves you. Let it compel you. Let it compel you. Let it move you. Every kind of person God so loved the world that he gave Jesus for them. It's weird to me in the church how we can fully buy into, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and we, we apply it to ourselves. Thank you, God, for your love. And then we see some person that's not saved, and we go, ew. Isn't that a weird step? Because for God so loved the world, we apply it to me. Let's apply it to them, too. He loves them. He wants them. So firstly, we're compelled by love. Secondly, gratitude. Grateful. Grateful. Where'd you come from? Where did you come from? What were you like before Jesus? I mean, I was mangled. I was a mess. I was a mess. And he loved me and he saved me, he cleansed me, he changed me. I'm different, I'm different, I'm different now because of him. 
Oh, man. I was dead. My transgressions and sins. I hated God. I hated people. I only wanted what was good for me. I was consuming anything I could to, to serve my lusts and destroying myself in the process. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved me. He loved me. I'm so thankful that he saved me. I watched Chinese believers so grateful for their salvation. And I was convicted of my own thanklessness. Beloved, is it fresh for you today? Is Christ's love, sacrifice, forgiveness fresh for you today? Or have you taken it for granted a bit? Oh, I know I have. I want to be so grateful, so thankful, so glad about my salvation that, man, it's, I just thank you, Lord. Why wouldn't I share it with this guy? Dude, I have got a gazillion dollars I want to share with you. I mean, it's, it's, you know, so better, so much better than any monetary or natural value we could put on it. We're not going to hell because Jesus. That gratitude of heart with a, with a focus on love, it compels. He wants them. I'm so grateful to him for what he's done with me. Of course I'm going to share this. This is easy. This is fun. This is the coolest thing ever. He goes, if you'll share it, I'll blow stuff up. You share it, I'll do healings. You share it, I'll do words of knowledge. You share it, I'll cast out demons. How many want to get some sick people healed? Okay, five people. Okay. How many want to get people delivered to demons? Like, cool. I mean, I know it's a little spooky, but cool. I, I want to do. I want to do this stuff. I want to do it. Because if you'll share, I'll be with you in it the whole time. Let my love compel you. Amen. Amen, beloved. This is going to be so fun. Huh, we're going to share the gospel. We're going to get people saved. Like real saved. Like full on saved. Full on, I was serving the devil, now I'm serving Jesus. Saved. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. We'll touch on different questions. We'll touch on how do we participate? What are the different mechanisms of sharing the gospel? What is the gospel message? What does it include? We touched it today. What's our motivation for the gospel, for preaching it? What's our responsibility in it? We'll touch a variety of questions. But ultimately at the end, my heart is that this this strand of Christian DNA, it would be ours. It would be alive in us. It would be ours. And we would be flowing with Jesus in the gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Lord, I am so grateful. I am so grateful for the truth of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation.
Lord, I pray, would you breathe freshly? Breathe freshly on areas of our heart. Truths that have perhaps laid dormant for some time. Breathe, breathe freshly. That we would be ones that share the gospel. We want to be led by you. Sensitive. But we want to see that you called us, Jesus, to give our lives for you and for the gospel. We want it. We want the fun. We want the exhilaration. We want the excitement of sharing what Jesus Christ can do and then you working with us in it. We know you want the lost. We know you want them. So Lord, I pray, compel our hearts by love. Compel our hearts with your love, your love for us and your love for the lost.